building a community, whether it's around your business, your content, or your brand, takes a lot of humility, transparency, and being your authentic self. You're definitely going to want to check this episode out to hear some strategies and tips to help you on your journey. But what do I know? And so so that's really, really important and relevant today because the system is not going to take care of us, right? The system was never built. And I always say this in in a sense of when we're talking about um, the institutions in which we work, they were never built to take care of our well-being, right? We we have to take care of our own well-being and we're realizing that you know, working hard is not a measure of success in a capitalist society. Exactly. It's and not. So- <laughs> this is Bawaduino Podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for learning, for healing, and for laughter. Welcome everyone to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode, season two, episode 13. We're back as usual on a Wednesday and um, yeah, I'm feeling good this week. So before we get right into things, if this is your first time tuning in and listening to this podcast, make sure that you are, you know, liking subscribing and commenting on whatever streaming platform you used to listen, especially if that is Apple Podcasts. Thank you. It is greatly appreciated. And if you've already been, you know, you're already part of our community, you're already in the know, you've been listening to this podcast for a minute now. Well, thank you for coming back. Thank you for sticking around. I'm sure you've already, you know, subscribed and left us some great reviews. And that's greatly appreciated. So it is now what, November 10th, you know, Halloween is done, Canadian Thanksgiving is done. So all that's left right now is American Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and then it's the holiday season. And when I tell you I am counting down, I can't wait. (laughs) I'm just every day I'm just like, okay, how many days now to the holidays? Because I can just feel my break and my rest period coming. Um, And it's just so needed right now. But um. Definitely looking forward to that. But on that note, let's go ahead and get into our clue-in segment for this episode. All right. So for our clue-in segment this week, where do we begin? You know what? Um, Let's start with TV. Let's start with TV. So as promised, I did watch Insecure Season 5, Episodes 1 and 2. Haven't gotten a chance to watch 3 yet, but I am enjoying it. I definitely recognize that it's moving at a slower pace. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, these episodes are slow, but you need that. It's a new season. You need episodes to sort of just set the stage. Um, Without spoiling it, you know, we're starting to see some breakthrough with Molly and Issa's friendship. Um, We've seen Issa make a decision in terms of her relationship with Lawrence. And, you know, I can kind of see how it's building up to a really good, you know, storyline and and so on. I also appreciate us getting to see a little bit more to Kelly's story. Like, I know she's never really had a formulated storyline, 
but just getting to see her thoughts and her perspectives on certain things in episode one when they were at the homecoming, I was like, hmm, I suspected you were thinking that, Kelly, and I'm really glad you said that. So, so yeah, I'm enjoying Insecure so far. Make sure you check it out. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're caught up. But if you're not, as if you needed me to tell you, you know, um, make sure you're tuned in to Insecure season five. Last season, baby, go ahead and go watch that. <laughs> All right. Next on our Clue and segment is music. Um, the much anticipated R&B album of the fall was released last week. Summer Walker went ahead and released Still Over It. I've listened to the album all the way through once. And usually that's not enough for me to be able to sort of give a really good solidified judgment on an album. I, I feel like you need to listen to an album a few times all the way through um, to really be able to, you know, have those debates that people want to have on Twitter about if it's a classic, if it's a great album and so on. But so far, my favorite is Unloyal with Ari Lennox. It's just the soul in Ari's voice, the saxophone, the way they both sort of float on that song. Like, mm, just such a fan. Love that song. I love the flow. I really love the storyline that Summer has sort of built and of course, the very obvious lesson of, you know, <laughs> seeing red flags, running away from them and recognizing your self-worth and walking away from situations that do not serve you. So, you know, those are all very much important sort of messages and stuff embedded in the song lyrics as well. But yeah, definitely a good vibe. Check it out. I think it's worth the hype. You know, I know we were very excited for this album and I think it lives up to it. I want to know. I'm so interested. If anyone has listened to that album, I'm saying if anyone, I'm sure you, if you're listening to this podcast, you have definitely listened to the album in totality or at least portions of it. Please message me. I really want to know what you thought of Sierra's prayer on the album. I'm just so curious because I know some people thought it was corny. Some people thought, well, here's the prayer. Are you women ready for this? So I want to know. I want to know what you all thought. But yeah, that is Summer Walker's Still Over It album. Make sure you go ahead and check that out. Okay, so we covered TV, we covered music, you know, sort of the things at the top of mind and what's going on. I haven't had much news in terms of COVID or politics to really share with you guys. I feel like in terms of COVID, we're definitely, you know, forcing and pushing forward with this new normal, quote unquote. And I think with politics, I'm not going to lie, I've <laughs> sort of not tuned out. I'm still keeping the rest of things, but I'm very much just, you know what? Sometimes I just need a safe little haven that tunes out some of the ridiculousness that goes on in politics sometimes. So if there's something that's really important, I promise y'all I will definitely cover it. Any issues and all that, you know, I got y'all, but um, I've been just keeping things alight. As usual, let's get into our song of the week. This artist is a very, very, very new emerging. Um, I'm sure you probably don't know this artist yet, but the artist's name is Sun. From my review, I believe this artist is Canadian. I hope I'm correct. If so, that just makes me want to root for this artist even harder. But it's definitely R&B vibes, definitely soulful, just, oh, I love it. It's just on theme with all the R&B that's coming out this fall, and I love it. I'm a fan. So let's go ahead and listen to this one. It's called My Surprise by Sun. Why am I so hard on myself? You got 
soulful i told y'all it was a vibe it's the artist's voice is just so beautiful oh r&b r&b has a hold on me y'all like if you couldn't tell by now r&b has a hold on me but um (laughs) very beautiful song that is my surprise by sun make sure you check it out stream it on spotify apple music download it buy it however you listen to your music and support artists make sure to check that out All right, let's go ahead and get into our main segment for this episode. This week, we're talking community and community building. I just felt like this was a very relevant conversation to have right now, where we're seeing a lot of online communities of people wanting to create safe spaces for, you know, marginalized groups of people, especially after everything that happened last year. We've just seen an increase in, you know, safe spaces for people. I mean, even like I created this podcast to be a safe space for for women of color, specifically for black women. So, you know, we've seen a lot of communities and communal spaces popping up online in person hybrids. And I wanted to just have a conversation with a community builder to just talk about how to make sure that these spaces do serve their function, how to make sure that they are safe for everyone. Um, that they are inclusive and that, you know, they are achieving what we want them to achieve. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It was such a joy to have this conversation. So yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. So this week for our main segment, we are talking community building, the importance of community building, various forms of community building, and sort of the importance, especially when it comes to marginalized groups of people. And so to join me in having this conversation, I'm joined by Salome, professor at Humber College. Um, She was the founder of Rexdale Lab. And specifically at Humber, she teaches at the Faculty of Social and Community Services, teaching on social services, child and youth care, and community development. She's also a consultant, a strategist, a writer, speaker, and an activist for mental health, youth and civic engagement, and community building, which is the focus for our conversation today. So I am so excited to have you. I just read... I have a whole professor on this podcast. This is no longer a joke. Like, <laughs> I, I always feel weird about that too. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a PhD, but I do, I do teach college students. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, no, yeah. like that is amazing. And you've been able Appreciate to it. do that and carry out your other work too and consulting and strategy. So no, girl, like, woo. <laughs> you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, sort of getting into our conversation on community, I want to start off by asking you, you know, um, what does community mean to you? I think a lot of people have different definitions of this word. So what does community mean to you? And, you know, how have you sort of 
moved and navigated the space up until now of being able to call yourself a community builder? Mm-hmm. Okay, a definition. I feel like the definitions definitely evolve with the times, right? I think it's community, you know, the unity of people in a specific space inspired to to come together with a specific purpose or, or um, with deeper meaning, um, but looking at kind of uh, what's happening around them too, right? Looking at the roots of things. And, and within that, it doesn't just have to be um, working at the problems, right? There could be a lot of joy and, and love and all those great things within community, family, you know, the family you choose. Um, and I think the term radical has a, has earned a spot too in, in the 21st century in the, in the term community as we've seen visually right across the world um, because we, we desire, you know, deeper values and meanings in, in the term community, like freedom or safety and justice and love. And I really like um, Bell Hooks. She kind of highlighted this and I still kind of am navigating this. Uh, she, she mentions, you know, can we have justice without love or there is no justice without love? And what does that mean? Because I think we don't, not in very many courses do we touch on, you know, the, the pieces that make community um, more on the emotional aspects, right? What is, what is a loving community? Um, what does a joyful community look like? It's always just healing and working and, and putting up a fight and, and, you know, advancing human rights or protecting human rights. So I think, um, that would be my definition. I absolutely love that. I think when you, you know, and it's right in the word community, unity, people coming together. I think for me too, it's also this aspect of a lot of the times we think of community as coming together to fulfill a particular goal or to achieve a certain thing. But we've seen even, you know, moving through the pandemic and a lot of the social movements that have been taking place, a lot of us are just needing community for informal spaces. You know, I've seen a lot of digital spaces where it's, you know, this is a community to just rest. Let's just create a Zoom link, unwind, mm. relax, breathe, whatever you need to do for this half hour, hour to be well again, to resume the fight tomorrow. Let's do that. So I think for me, it's, you know, placing as much importance on the informal spaces as much as we do the formal spaces for creating and achieving a particular goal, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely highlights the, both the holistic approach, right? There is rest time and there's also um, negotiating those, those power struggles that are happening in the real world. But we do need to be able to, to work from a full cup to be able to support community. Exactly, exactly. So then getting into your journey and to where you are now, I'm interested to know, and you know, I like to ask the guests on this podcast this because this is sort of the very basis for which this uh, space was created. And that's, you know, did you ever have a, but what do I know moment on your journey to where you are now in community building? And by that, what I mean is, you know, did you ever have a time where you thought to yourself, you know, I want to be a community builder or I want to be part of these conversations, part of this work, but, but what do I know? Or I want to do that, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's, if I should do it. I, what do I know kind of thing. So did you have mm-hmm. moments like that? And if you did, how did you overcome it? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's such a good question. Um, the, one of the big ones was related to teaching. Um, because when I first was asked to teach at um, Humber, I was def- I mean, I've had a lot of self-critical moments, like, am I, can I do this? Can I do that? Right. In community. But with teaching, I was unsure. For, and, I, and I thought to myself, 
you know, what do I know and, and can I do it? And am I the right person? And I actually fell back on a memory of um, in university when I had profs who were questionable mm. um, in uh, sexuality and gender studies specifically course too. And, and they were teaching about equity. And, and I just remember, you know, profs and other profs being a little problematic. And I thought to myself, well, if I don't take this, because obviously I'm qualified for it, um, but in a community development um, field, so a, a more problematic person might might end up in the job, right? Uh, exactly. Or a, a problematic, not a, not a more problematic. But um, and so for me, that was you know why am I diminishing my own uh, abilities and skills and knowledge? And and also um, we know that within a lot of these institutions, there are people who who you know they are problematic. They create these power relationships. Um, that are imbalanced. They they are they don't behave in the, with the, with the values of of community building and and um, and coming together mm-hmm. in authentic ways. So so that for me was you know you have to take this. You have to go and teach and and bring what and br- build that bridge between theory and practice, which I try and do because I worked in nonprofit for so long. Um, I think I was bringing something unique to the table, and. Um, and I thought, why not? Why not me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I felt, you know, young and maybe not as qualified. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Why not you? You know, you have the lived experience. You've worked in a nonprofit. You are knowledgeable. And like you said, you experience problematic people <laughs> in some of the spaces. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where, you know, like you said, bridging that gap between theory and practice. And that sort of leads me to, you know, my next question is how and you know, why is community important now, but how relevant is it? And I mean, we know it's relevant, but I just want you to sort of through your practice, speak to it because we're going through, you know, a pandemic, we're going through certain social shifts, important conversations are being had. Um, People are Mm -hmm. sort of relying on certain digital spaces. um, And we're seeing that social spaces are, can be taken away from us with, you know, recent things going on on Facebook and Instagram. So just how important mm-hmm. is community in the time that we're living in right now? So, so important. Um, I think I think we're all seeking um, our, our natural desire is to, to be seen, to be heard, to be validated, to be loved, right? Naturally. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a society that oftentimes does the opposite, right? We, our value systems have gone awry and they've, you know, even though we kind of joke about it or we see, we know what, you know, but our value system has gone awry. You know, it's what is our, our value system? Do we value, you know, integrity and community over individualism and competition? Um, are we only about, you know, ego and self-preservation from, for example, from um, institutional or, or even we've seen the income mm. gap continuously increase, right? There were more billionaires made in Canada during COVID. And so these questions um, that we have to be asking in an ever-growing, um, you know, digital age, and also compounded with COVID, we've become more isolated, and mental health has always been increasing, and so now it's it's gotten worse and more exacerbated, as, as well as other issues, right? Like we've seen um, housing, the housing uh, crisis become an emergency. It was always there. Yeah. Um, um, food security, indigenous rights—it's always been um, highlighted, but now more than ever, we're realizing how far individualism takes us and it's not far at all. Right. Um, so 
sometimes in within social media, we also um, might have heard in the news and, and people have been sharing this is um, the algorithms on of social media are favoring divisive, angry, hostile information, yep. right? And so if that's being boosted, what are we magnifying, right? So we have to counteract that. Similarly, people who work in community work and social justice spaces, we're constantly trying to fight f- for our rights or otherwise they're taken, right? Or they have been taken and we're fighting to get some of that back um, or for a radical change, right? Um, we see those with with tremendous movements. Um, we have the Truth and Reconciliation Commission right. and, and Idle No More and Black Lives Matters and, and there's so many other free Palestine and, and so many globally. Mm-hmm. And so the status quo has been around for so long, right? We were always no wars and 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 we know the the detrimental effects of the things that happen. But now, you know, once it starts affecting more and more people, that ideological shift happens, right? So more people are becoming more conscious or woke. Are all the methods, you know, um, effective? Not necessarily, right? There's still, right. Um, again, that goes back to, you know, ego and, and competition and, and um, you know, a lot of the um, critical educators of the past and present have always voiced, you know, we can't just have one specific leader that we idolize that leads the, the cause. It has to be localized. And there's a lot of um, knowledge locally. And that, that that goes back to indigenous knowledge too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Looking at the local experiences and community um, ways of governing and attitudes that are local, that local knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so to counteract... Um, very tangible things like our basic needs not being met or, or our fellow community members, their needs not being met to um, systemic racism, to just being able to find joy and rest apart from being a productive student, being a productive worker, whatever your role is in society, the hat that you wear. Um, we're coming back to that self-healing, self, um, self-care space more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's really, really important and relevant today because the system is not going to take care of us, yep. right? The system was never built. And I always say this in, in a sense of when we're talking about um, the institutions with which we work, they were never built to take care of our well-being, right? We, we have to take care of our own well-being and we're realizing that, you know, working hard is not a measure of success in a capitalist society. Exactly. It's and not. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are getting burnt out. They're feeling undervalued, underappreciated. People are quitting People their are jobs quitting. in the millions right around the world. We are in a great resignation. <laughs> not the space, right? Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of what I'm seeing too is I'm, I'm seeing, I'm noticing a lot more voices rising up, a lot more coming together, a lot more people also wanting to start communities, especially digitally, for good reasons. I think I'm seeing a lot more selflessness. I'm seeing a lot more informal communities i'm seeing a lot more push for rest and i'm grateful and the realistic part of me doesn't want to be too optimistic because i feel like human beings how oh, goodness only goes so far i don't know i feel like once <laughs> we, we do yeah yeah no i hear what you're saying we, we sometimes mess things up too right like the the difficult things are sticky right mm. to, to um take a step away from that status quo, the stickiness, that ego, that self-preservation, that competition, because I see it every day. I mean, I see people who lead these organizations on one side, as you mentioned, it's so important and there is a real move towards it. 
but at times there are also problematic people right in these spaces, mm-hmm. right? So if you're not doing your self-care and healing and taking accountability, then you're going to bring that into community. And similarly, if the community is not willing to create the space to hold us, right? So for example, if we're talking about toxic masculine, masculinity and the patriarchy as a society, we're still not equipped or ready to support men with their emotions. Yeah, right? exactly. So we can't we, talk about still... it without providing them and equipping them to address it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And checking ourselves mm-hmm. because we perpetuate that, right? A lot of ev- ev- all genders yep. perpetuate those power relations or gender stereotypes or any type of stereotypes or stigma. Mm-hmm. And so so it's a two-way street where we're constantly um, having to create this this balance back and forth, right? Yeah. And, and we're constantly imagining and rediscovering ourselves and our communities and redeveloping our identities and what we believe. It's okay to take in new information. It's okay to admit that maybe my ego got in the way. Mm-hmm. It's okay to admit that I don't know the definition of anti-oppression. Yep. I mean, People exactly. just people weaponize these terms so often, right? Mm-hmm. Developing that level of consciousness, it's it it's a cycle, it never ends. It's not just, oh, now that I know how to how to use this term or how to mobilize or how to go yell in the streets that I'm well equipped to take care of um the people around me, but still not checking my own power mm-hmm. and privilege or my own um um holistic approach to my own maybe past traumas or that kind of thing and not projected into the movement and sometimes that that happens too right yeah it's it's so interesting that you said that and you know as we talk about this idea of like you know looking inward and even with so we again social media we're we're both on it <laughs> we're both you know mm-hmm. i would refer to us as community builders myself i think i'm sort of learning what it means to build a community right now outside of formalized i want to say four walls but i've been working virtually these days so because you know by training i'm a city planner or urban yeah urban planner community builder but i'm learning what that word means beyond just you know maybe zoning or designations or you know put houses Mm -hmm. here and stores here and commercial uses here like i'm learning that you know even with my podcast i am essentially building a community right so how do we sort of you know content creators, digital community builders, people who are wanting to sort of energize people um, in a digital space, how do we make that shift? You know, the pandemic has shown us that we're sort of moving to this digital or hybrid model for a lot of things, whether it be events, community building, work, whatever it may be. So how do we move digitally and still be able to energize people? Um, And how can, you know, business owners, service providers, content creators, because a lot of, firstly, the listeners of this podcast, a lot of the listeners are small business owners, content creators, so on. So how can people sort of make that shift and energize their their sort of audience? Because, for example, for me, it's one thing to put a podcast out and people listen. It's another thing to put a podcast out and get feedback and get people who, you know, maybe want to be, want to have conversations about it, want, want to have fur- like further discussions. Um, events, like so on. So I guess, yeah, I'll let you, you know, go ahead. But yeah, how do you create that space mm-hmm. for community? Such a good question. I think um, as we're building communities in new and exciting ways, mm-hmm. we don't want to veer too far away from our own value system mm. and our own stories. Um, I think there's a reason why um, you know, the bigger kind of brands look to local communities, right? When they partner with like a local artist and they do a really good job 
um, because those stories are so real, so authentic, so um, localized, um, and in real time, right? So when you, when you are being real and authentic to yourself in whatever way, whatever um, element of culture that is, um, that's important. But then sometimes it gets sticky, right? So you, you might have a campaign where it's uplifting POC, but then there's you know colorism still happening, right? So mm. so there is still some nuance that we don't want to forget because we don't want to say, okay, well, capitalism or businesses are doing a great job. They start, but it's really the community that knows, you know, what's what and how they want to participate and how the, the, their voices need to be heard, right? And who is always left out. So I think if you're a curator of whether it's other stories, right, through maybe through your business or curator of community and social justice, and you want to add that um, to your story, right? Make it authentic to you, right? If, mm-hmm. if education is a pa- something you're passionate about, you know, doing some research and finding out. What is it? What is it about education and, and what parts and how can you do it authentically? What are some other people doing? What is it that you probably shouldn't be doing or saying? What are some of the sticky points that people have already called out? Right. So you don't recreate that because we see the recreation of those issues mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so creating a community also takes time and trust and all the basic foundational pieces, right? Yep. Um, That's fine. It's really hard. Yeah. Right. It's really hard to to just get trust, I think, um, especially because it's the digital space. So I think typically when we meet people and someone's, you know, if you met someone in person and they, they voiced, you know, this product or this service, you know, I would trust you more because I, I, I can sense your energy and I just met you and, and we're in person. But now, you know, it's an anonymous person sharing stuff online, possibly trying to sell me something. Right. So I don't really quite know you yet. So I think, um, just going about in authentic ways, telling your own story is nice. I think. Um, and we see that people engage more with more authentic people, right. Mm. And for the long term, and we usually see the people who are not authentic, they usually have, um, you know, issues pop up, right. Yes. Like they, you know, a little bit of cancel culture might happen, you know, a little bit of their history might come back, uh, to catch up to them. So I think you should definitely be authentic and you should, you must also credit and uplift and lift up the voices uh, of those who matter and who are marginalized and left out the most and not take over, right? So it's yes. not your brand taking over for the issue. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's really who, who are the most knowledgeable about it. I, I, oh, I love that you said that because I think what comes to mind is when some people will start like an online community and it starts off with, you know, this is a space for all women, you know, trans women, like, it, it starts off being inclusive and then as it grows, 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 sometimes you lose sight of the vision and then it becomes about mm-hmm. you and this great thing that you've built. And it's such yes. a hard thing to like maneuver because yes, you've built a great thing, but you built a great thing because you had these marginalized people supporting you, liking your pictures, mm-hmm. showing up to your events. So, hey, let's not forget about them. Right. So I think. Mm-hmm. it's so it's really yeah. hard but i think it has to be really people have to be really careful um as they sort of navigate these territories and i think at the bottom of it is you really just do have to care about the people that you're building this community for like if you're saying that you're mm-hmm. building this community for people of color then i should expect people of color to be at your virtual events i should expect mm-hmm. that whatever content you're creating whatever merchandise you're you know you're selling or Whatever your platform is about really embodies aspects and cultures throughout, you know, people of that are, you know, sort of based on different groups of people of color. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a good mm-hmm. point that you mentioned. I really like that. 
Yeah, I think the, the we need an ego checker at all times. I think there's a lot of shame and fear around um, giving up power. Mm. And I see it often too, as you mentioned, like another checklist is, you know, who are your dis- people in, in decision-making? Who mm. are making, who are the people making decisions? This is for business and nonprofits because you could be a social enterprise yes. trying to do good as well. You absolutely could um, be. If your decision makers, even if it's, you know, your board or, or maybe not paid staff, but if your decision makers don't include the people most impacted, chances are it's not going to be radical. You're just doing it for, you know, optics. Mm-hmm. You might have good intentions, but impact is different than intentions. And we're far yeah. beyond in, into just intentions because everybody intends to not do harm or at least to do good. But that's mm-hmm. not the case for everyone, right? So it's not a solution for everyone, whatever mm-hmm. that person, that group decides to do. So, so I think decision making, especially if, if you're, if we're talking about um, um, people of color specifically, if your decision makers are all white, <laughs> all all male, right? It's it's typically typical. That's a red flag. We all yeah. know. I mean, the people, most people know, yep. but and it's one of those things that we that the that the, the public kind of catches up after the fact, right? And it's mm-hmm. and that's when um, the issues gets kind of highlighted, but you can be proactive about that. Yeah. And that requires a person to really check their power and privilege and their ego, mm-hmm. right? To want control, to want to do it their way. Um, it's community is a dialogue. Yeah. There's, there, you, no one can have a community if you're not having dialogue. And I think that's where I've been privileged is that I didn't just, drop myself in community. I, I, I grew up as a youth involved in like the community health center, going and participating in the workshops myself, developing my own skills and always throughout my years, going to workshops, hearing stories, sharing my stories and learning and being just naturally embedded in it. I didn't, I don't need to take over. I don't need to put my ego first. Like I truly believe that you have to credit and lift up voices that align with the values of of your radical community mission and vision, right? So if it's about poverty or education or whatever it is, you have to know it back in front and you have to be open to willing. Absolutely. Um, no, I really like the even going back to dialogue because I think it's also important if you're building a community, then expect to hear feedback, whether good or bad, expect to, you know, expect to also listen. And I think that's why people also have to express humility, because I think mm-hmm. really good leaders also listen and are humble. Right. I think sometimes, like you said, ego check. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, you want to say, oh, I'm building this great community and da 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 da. But then when you receive feedback that maybe you weren't expecting, then all of a sudden it's ego gets involved right so um i definitely ap- appreciate that that's a really good list um please send it to me i will summarize it make a post <laughs> and credit you because those are really important For and sure. i think that the listeners will definitely appreciate it because i i've gotten certain questions about you know how do we build community around our small business our you know content our audience whatever it may be our platform so i think those are really really important um Especially in this era that we're in, I don't know <laughs> what to call it, um, <laughs> but this era, there really isn't a lot of, what's the word? A lot of room or a lot of space for ignorance. Like that whole era of ignorance is bliss. Mm. Not anymore. Like people really, 
don't have a lot of room to give excuses, especially when it comes to inclusivity in your community. So, yeah, (laughs) no one is perfect, but I think the effort needs to be put in. Yeah, we're in the post-ignorance era. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I was going to call it the the post-modern, post-rate, all the posts you can think of. We're in that. (laughs) (laughs) We are, definitely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that is similarly with the intention over impact. um, There's an amazing community worker, too, who Kim Katrin, she always mentions this, too. Impact over intention. Mm -hmm. We're reimagining, we're moving into new spaces where... We do have to to be, have the honest conversations, and I think, you know, something as simple as ego is so complex and murky, and it's really people don't want to take that responsibility on, right? It, mm-hmm. it because it takes work, but you have to be able to will it, You have to be willing to value, um, like you said, being humble, and that um, your value system is deeply rooted in in what you see and seek in the world that's beyond just you, and and you know this this human kind of suit that we wear, right? Superficially, I think on a deeper soul level or, um, our connection to, Mm -hmm. um, our spaces, whether it's spiritually or on a deeper level. And I think that goes back to the isolation pieces. We're seeking these real authentic, deeper relationships, but we sometimes act in the opposite, right? Because those, um, those sticky negative emotions and feelings are easier to hide behind. They're Mm. easier to grasp on, right? Power and control is easier than admitting faults. And being humble about it, yeah. right? Um, but everything is a dance and, and a dialogue. And I think if people are, if you, if we notice in community, if someone's not able to or willing to have a dialogue within the community, then they're having more trouble internally as well, right? And so we have to question whether we want to follow and li- or listen to them, really, or you opt out, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Wow. Um. So with that, and this is kind of where I really, I am honored to be able to have this conversation with you because I've wanted to have this particular aspect of this conversation for a really long time. And I think that while it's not like directly about this topic, it's very much related to community, right? So in the case of marginalized communities, right, how can we sort of develop our own communities in ways that we're better allies across communities of people of color? So for example, right, you're Middle Eastern and I'm Black and I'm more specifically, I'm African. So how do we, you know, when we're having our conversations in our homogeneous communities, like, you know, amongst other Black women, amongst other uh, Middle Eastern women, how do we have dialogue so that when we do cross paths, we are better allies for each other? We have better conversations for each other, right? I think we are able to sort of at the surface level, recognize that, yes, we're both marginalized groups, even with conversations like Black Lives Matter, Free Palestine, what's going on in Afghanistan. Like, there's just so much mm-hmm. sort of similarity. But I think that sometimes we're not able to, like, talk to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Or t- and to have these conversations. So, yeah. <laughs> Your questions are so good. I, <laughs> they're so great. Um, I, I kind of. Feel like I haven't answered. I also don't. It's honestly it's that is question. okay, and it's such a big <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, I, I love working through these in real time for sure. I was I was actually just as a funny joke. I was I was talking to one of my friends who's a who's a black feminist artist and his and and looking at um, art history um, Ojo and, and I kind of told her I was like, well, I'm not Al Jazeera first of all. Like I think allyship sometimes we're like right, like we have to know everything, we have to be sharing everything, and and I was being real, like it's 
I try to do as much, we all try to do as much as we can, right? So we can't expect um, us to be up to date on all social justice issues, right? I can come from a human rights lens. I can come from a trauma-informed lens. There are great books on allyship, so many. Just Google allyship books and and start with one Mm -hmm. and really check and unpack your relationship. We are all lifelong learners and allyship is just that too, because as I mentioned, we're reimagining communities and identities and it has to be built on trust. It has to be built on honesty and consistency and um, being authentic and uh, accountable to the communities, right? So, so I found myself, you know, working with youth. And when I sometimes, you know, enter these different spaces where groups are not doing that, you know, they, they are not including youth. They're saying they're youth-centered, but the youth don't have a decision, right? And, mm-hmm. Or they can only cater to specific populations. Like we're only focusing on LGBTQ, right, for this program or... or, or so there is some, uh, I think it's important to, for allyship that we do our own work and unpacking for sure and have our safe spaces within our affinity groups. So, you know, there has to be a space for LGBT group groups or, or, or even, you know, subgroups where they can feel that connection first and feel heard for, with like-minded folks before we can develop our confidence and courage and then, and then, and then start working across communities too. Cause we can't, just enter a community. And, and if I don't have any knowledge of my power and privilege, and I just want to do good right. and feel good, you know, I could be harming that community because I, I'm making, I might be making assumptions. I, I might stigmatize. I might um, have microaggressions or I might do other things. So allyship is, is you know, when we talk about, you know, um, uh, cancel culture and, you know, people crying and, and the guilt that people have. Um, there's a book by Ann Bishop. She there's a table too, and she kind of outlines, you know, what is allyship and it's not, you know, feeling guilty and and these other emotions. You can have those emotions, but you can't use that as a shield, right? You can't say, I didn't know. Now I'm the victim. Mm -hmm. Well, no, but what you said and what you did has an impact. And that's what we're trying to unpack. We're not trying to unpack just how you were impacted by Mm -hmm. the um, reaction to your actions. Um, right. Cause people tend to, to feel very, um, attacked Mm -hmm. when it's, when we have, um, those very visible public incidences, right? So the the emphasis must always be on um, the groups most marginalized and most impacted and understanding that, you know, um, allyship is not a sense of uh, hopelessness or victimhood by saying, I don't know what to do or I'm shocked. Yeah, right. Well, this, <laughs> this has been going on for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So it is that we're in, a, we're in an era where due diligence is necessary. Your community members, your neighbors, people you work with, you know, on the job, everybody's being impacted by these. Um, trauma is intergenerational. We need more empathy and care, right? So start with yourself. How empathetic and caring and loving are you to yourself? Mm-hmm. Guaranteed the people who are the most hateful have zero, right? They're in the negative for sure. Yep. <laughs> um, and so allyship is is so many things. Like I teach definitions and textbook um, examples and, and authors, but it's so much more, right? Nuanced and... and um, it is a dialogue around what can you do as an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so listening, right? It's it's the skills and it's the reality of the context as well. And and understanding yourself more importantly, right? It's not just, it, it is definitely an emphasis on what do people need and how do they want to be treated mm-hmm. and doing it in a consistent way yeah. without saying, oh, well, I, I know today, but I, I'll forget in a few months from now, right? It, it's similar to kind of our um, if we have Indigenous Month or, or Black History Month, we'll only hire you in those months, mm-hmm. right? But our, de- <laughs> our decision makers are not, you know, representative. So, so it is that. Mm-hmm. 
lifelong process of accountability. Yeah. And I think, you know, even going back to what you said about not being Al Jazeera, um, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> because I feel like this past year, um, you know, I take the fact that I have a mic and a platform so seriously. And as this platform grows, I'm making sure that, you know, I have people who have a human voice, who have some lived experience, but I also have some experts who have, you know, done the knowledge and have done the work and are, you know, really credible to be able to speak because I don't want to just sit here and, you know, chat shit or whatever and misinform people, right? That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But also, too, it's understanding that there's been so much going on. Like, we're bombarded with so much information. Like, this week is the death of this person. That week, it's it's Black Lives Matter. This week, it's something in Palestine. And then in two weeks, people forget. And then we're back to... So it's like, mm -hmm. it's really, really hard. You know, when I don't... Yeah. I also try not to fault a place that... Yeah, place the fault on especially people of color. Because right. it's like, we're all going through our layers of, of like harm that's being inflicted on us by all this news, the system, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, it's like, as much as... Yeah, like as much as yes, allyship, yes, be an ally out loud. I'm a big advocate for that. I think also, man, just like yeah. checking in on people because people are really tired yeah. right now. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so Most definitely. And, and you make a good point. I think another point to, to highlight is the work is often quite heavily done by people of color, right? Yes. Because we're, mo we're most impacted, right? Whether you're, whether, you know, it's a woman's issue or human rights issue. A racialized issue. We're doing a lot of the heavy lifting and there's, and, and that's why I pointed out, you know, the curators of, of, um, social justice spaces, you know, they're, they're so far removed from working directly with community that oftentimes we hear how problematic they can get when they're so far removed, they become kind of like a spokesperson for the whole movement. Mm -hmm. Um, or miss, miss, uh, kind of in a, in a misinformed way, they, they get become a spokesperson. Um, but it's, it's hard, right? So, there's been, you know, things like, you know, there's free Palestine and, and, mm -hmm. and people will, you know, become too politically correct and, and, and get angry at people who are not right. Creating space or talking about it. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's one thing to be angry, but I think, um, it's misdirect. We have to, it's misdirected anger and we need to be honest about that too. And I think, um, allyship can be, um, superficial as well. Um, you know, you have celebrities who might, um, you know, post one or two things, but I think, you know, um, the optics of it can also be significant too. Sometimes we're not depending on, you know, a celebrity or a single post to change everything, Exactly. but we're still very much allyship is checking in. It is sharing, it is educating, it is informing, it is correcting misinformation. It is all of this work that white allies need to take a huge role in because they've, they've contributed historically to um, the, the, the systems that are in place, yep. right. That, that white supremacy and, and the, the significant power imbalances. So, yeah. so it is all of that, mm -hmm. <laughs> all of that, <laughs> all of that and more. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah I just want to, you know, thank you. I feel like ugh, this conversation is such a layered conversation. Um, but I do want to give you the floor if you have anything else to sort of add or that you want to sort of share before, you know, we switch segments a little bit. But I'm honestly so grateful that you were, you know, wanted to come on this episode and speak about this because I've wanted to have this conversation. And 
I recognize it's such a layered and intricate one. So I'm just thankful because, girl, you have the knowledge, the understanding and the lived experience. And I'm grateful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having this amazing platform. It was my pleasure completely. And and I think just to just to emphasize and never underestimate, I think, those who are community builders, whether mm-hmm. you are working front lines or indirectly, because I think people give back in indirect ways, right? I think the person who is the the listener in, in your community spaces is equally as important as someone who's you know, fighting policies or out on the streets protesting. So everybody holds Absolutely. a space to reimagine. Absolutely. Um, mm. Yeah. So I think don't let the, you know, the challenges or the struggle or the absence of change stop you from seeking it. And, mm. and it's continuous improvement, right? Yeah. You don't always see it visibly. And don't let social media and optics kind of skew or dictate your sense of community. Yeah. Um, you can redefine it and reimagine it consistently, right? What hasn't been done can be done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What hasn't been done can be done. That's a great way to end it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we are going to switch, you know, the energy up a little bit. Um, This is the mm-hmm. What Do I Know podcast. So we want to get to know our guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you four questions and, you know, without thinking, just give me an answer that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first question, and I'm just so interested to ask you this because just following you on social media, I feel like you have several thoughts on this. So social media is best used when? It's best used when you want to share something that's important to you and Mm -hmm. connect with others through that whether you intend to or not. Perfect. I think sometimes I underestimate my involvement. Mm. I've taken a little brief hiatus, but then I just have to remind my, cause I ask myself, you know, what, what am I doing? Cause I'm, I'm more of, uh, of anti-social media cause I didn't grow up with it. Right. Um, <laughs> but when I get one or two comments saying, I really needed this post today or this, or I agree with this, or thanks so much for sharing, or I really like your perspective. I have to remind myself that I, you know, I am an educator. My voice does count because I yes. do underestimate my ability to educate and and hopefully inspire people. So I think for me as a tool, as an inspirational and educational tool, it's really important. I think the superficiality of all of it, you know, Instagram has become this, you know, a shopping uh, a, a tool, which is ridiculous and annoying, but I'm constantly trying to like, you know, like cats and memes so that the, my, 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 <laughs> my feed stays. Uh, more fun and less um, uh, shopping and, and uh, consumer oriented, right. which is awful, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Are you where you thought you would be at this point in your life? Not at all. I, <laughs> I'm definitely one of those people five years ago. I would never imagine I'm, I am where I am. Um, I am not. I'm a, I'm a planner, but not in the long-term sense. Mm-hmm. I, that doesn't mean that I don't uh, stay on top of things like my finances and my goals. Um, but I'm not like, okay, I want a PhD or I want this, or I want to do that. Um, some, some things I do, like I, now I'm in a different stage where I'm like, okay, I, I, I see a family in the future. You know, I want, I want to focus on that and less on work. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely not. I, I actually got into community work. I would say not really by accident because my origin story is very much that I grew up in a political household. So, um, so it's not definitely not by accident, definitely by design. So, um, I'm five years ago, podcast, what? No, being on a podcast, (laughs) being on social media, telling, telling people about my mental health on social media. No, not at all. 
So definitely not uh, teaching thousands of people over the year, over the like the last decade. Definitely not. So, <laughs> but all so amazing things. So, I'm very privileged. Yeah, I have to remember and humble myself that you know I am making an impact um, locally. So, so that warms my heart when mm. I remind myself because sometimes it can get lonely for sure. Mm. No, your your work is amazing and so needed. So keep it up, Thank girl. You. We're all looking Thank at you. you. I'm inspired. Like. <laughs> Um, I appreciate you. Thank you. No worries. Um, okay. What's the most courageous thing you've ever done? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, wow. I think I can't say maybe a single thing. I don't know. I've, I'm not a super fearful person. Like I'll mm. travel by myself. I did that before it became cool. I think, um, um, Cause I don't, and I think that's a privilege, right? Yeah. I think, um, I've never, I was never really instilled with that level of fear, but I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm discerning and I'm attentive and I'm, and I don't do silly for things. Sure, for sure. <laughs> um, I don't put, put, I don't try not to put myself in, in situations, um, good street smarts and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, I think <sighs> the traveling solo one as a woman is a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I also, I mean, I always used to play sports. I think trying out for the fencing team Ooh. in uni was one of my courageous things that's, too. That's a good I feel one. Like <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just tried out. Um, so I think I would always encourage people to try new things, even if you like it or not, mm-hmm. or even if you think you'll be good at it or not. Because sports for me, a lot of life lessons I've learned through sports. Um, and fencing was one of them too, because people who were never athletic joined the, joined the team as well. So I think it's just such a great way to learn a lot of skills that you'll definitely need because. I feel like sports is such a good analogy for it's such an obvious thing that you're on on the same team mm-hmm. and you're working towards it, right? And you have great coaches who are invested. Whereas in community, those things can be quite challenging, right? Yeah. Even though you know you're on the same team, there's you know politics and and egos, and there are no coaches. You you might not have an elder around exactly. who gives you good advice. Um, yeah. So it's it's hard. I think sometimes um, our communities can feel a little um, shaky. So I think sports. Uh, I, I kind of reflect on that too. You know, what can I give to community that I really got from sports that I think is kind of missing at times, right? The role modeling, the coaching, the motivating, the being there. Yeah. So I think, I think that has been courageous too for me. It's been also a lifesaver, I think, because I think if I didn't have that, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I, I feel like everyone benefits from something like therapy, but mm. I think being in a sports team has been therapeutic for I me for, for many, many years. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. It's a space of belonging. I like mm, that's a good way to define it. I like that. Um, okay, final question. What's the most beautiful place that you've ever been to? Ooh, I've I've been so lucky to bit to go to a lot of different cities, um, but definitely not every continent in the world. Um, I've mostly been to Europe and South America, and I think um my favorite city is maybe Florence. Mm, okay. And Quito was also stunning and beautiful and has such a rich history and connection mm, okay. um, to ancient traditions as well. So those two, just because, you know what, the, I just realized a similarity between the two. So they're not very built up. They're not both. So Florence is like a medieval country yeah. or a medieval city, sorry. So it's all terracotta rooftops and Quito is all kind of, you know, it's there's valleys and mountains, but it's um, all houses that are kind of, it, you know, you could see the the 
um, the, the houses and the rooftops. So it's not built up like super yeah, contemporary, like Toronto, New York. <laughs> which I think, which I really appreciate in a city a lot. I don't know why, but I love that. I love the, 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 the lack of modernity, but it's still mm. beautiful. And, and both cities have been really beautiful and rich. Oh, that's nice. That's really nicely put. I just, you know, I have some people say, you know, somewhere warm and I would just say, you know, like, I don't know, somewhere warm, somewhere that I've, I could sit on a beach, but that is really like a nice, insightful way to look at it. And now when I travel, I will definitely be paying more attention to because I try to pay attention to design of cities. And I love seeing mm. how cities are planned or not planned. Like when I go to like a quote unquote third world country versus like Toronto and New York. And it's nice to see the contrast. Mm-hmm. But noticing the built up versus not built up. That's I like that. Good eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, architecture is a lot of fun. Yeah, but although a beach always yeah. forever sounds nice. I'm, I'm <laughs> For sure. To summer, but for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for being on this episode. I just enjoyed this conversation and I know the listeners will as well. So before I let you go, you know, just share your socials, how people can connect with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was an amazing conversation. Great questions really have me thinking. Um, so you can catch me on Twitter, Salome A and, uh, Instagram sway S W A Y Salome. And I also have a website, Salome.ca. Um, I do occasionally do workshops and that sort of thing. And I love collaborations and partnerships So don't hesitate to reach out. Wow. That's great that your name alone you were able to get that domain, like just salome.ca. Yeah. Wow. Okay, girl. <laughs> yeah. That just shows yeah, how know, unique like your name is. Like I Madonna like that. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> just a first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. And I will definitely put that in the episode description as well. So people can just directly connect with you. So thank you again for coming on this episode. Thank you. My So with that, we are at the end of this episode. Thank you to Salome for coming on this episode and just sharing a wealth of knowledge on community building, inclusion, the importance of self-care in our communities. I truly appreciate you. And to all the listeners, thank you for listening. Please keep the conversation going on all our socials at BWDIK podcast. As always, share the podcast to a friend of a friend of a friend (laughs) and make sure that you are drinking your water, minding your business, minding the business that pays you. And I will talk to you all real soon. Bye for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.